Young boy said, Mama, is it true that God made us from the dust of the earth? Said, That's true, John. But Mama, is it true that when we die, we go back to dust? Said, yeah, that's true. Said, well, I was looking under my bed this morning, Mama, there's so much dust under there. <laughs> I don't know whether they're coming or going. <laughs> now, that's the only foolishness we're going to deal with this morning, all right? Why it's good to be with you, and I don't know if they announced it, but we're going to deal with the four uh, altars of Abraham. We're not going to get through them, of course, but hopefully we'll be able to give you some thoughts on it. Uh, Genesis 12, reading from verse 1, <clears throat> Genesis 12, Now the Lord had said unto Abraham, Get thee out of thy country, and from thy kindred, and from thy father's house, and unto a land that I will show thee. And uh, I will make of thee a great nation, and I will bless thee, and thou shalt be a blessing, and I will bless them that bless thee, and curse him that curses thee. And by the way, that is still true today. And in thee shall all families of the earth be blessed. So Abraham departed as the Lord had spoken unto him, and Lot went with him. And Abram was seventy-five years old when he departed out of Haran. And Abram took Sarai, his wife, and Lot, his brother's son, and all their substances that they had gathered, and the souls that had gotten in Haran. And they went forth to go into the land of Canaan, and into the land of Canaan they came. And Abram passed through the land unto the place of Sichem, and unto the plain of Morah, and Canaanite, and was then in the land. And the Lord appeared unto Abram and said, Unto thy seed will I give this land, and there builded he an altar unto the Lord who appeared unto him, the largest tract of land ever deeded to one man was here in this particular verse. Let me repeat that. The lar largest tract of land ever deeded to one man in the history of mankind was right here to Abraham. And those deeds have not been altered because the one who gave the land and deeded the land with God himself. And no one's ever going to change that, all right? Verse 8, And he removed from thence into a mountain on the east of Bethel and pitched his tent, having Bethel on the west, Hai on the east. And there he built an altar unto the Lord and called upon the name of the Lord. And he journeyed, pardon me, <clears throat> going on still toward the south. May the Lord bless the reading of his precious word. I have had my notes a little large now because, as you know, when you get a little older, and uh, your sight isn't as good, but God is good. I'm not complaining, all right? It's just a fact of life. When you get 82, the Bible says you have days of sorrow and days of pain, and you name it, we've got it, okay? But God is good. I'm not complaining, all right? It's just that... Like the brother said, preaching the gospel, and he'd given me strength even to be with you this morning. And I, I'm so grateful for that. It's always good to be with the people of God. I don't know anything better, anything richer, or grander in all the world just to be with the Lord's people. I, in fact, we don't have anything else in life, no matter what you try. When we congregate, when we come together, we know we're obeying God because we're assembling ourselves as a church. A local ecclesia, and here we are this morning, 
And uh, may God just bless us while we come together. And so Abraham erected his first altar. And the first one, of course, was that I like to label it as the altar of thanksgiving. But before we get into that, uh, since this is a celebration day of 38 years of independence, and sometimes that word carries the wrong connotation. Independence doesn't mean free from responsibility. It doesn't mean that we're not going to have any problems. It doesn't mean that uh, there are no challenges in life. Because when we look back on the Bahamas, we have come a long way. Our tourists have increased. We've had uh, a lot of things done, accomplished in the Bahamas in the last 38 years. We've been blessed. You know, we've never had an invasion by an outside uh, territory or country. Isn't that something to bless God for today? You take it for granted. The only war we have is that on crime, and that is a big war. We, we, don't, uh, we won't underestimate that, but we're going to win that war because God is on our side. I really believe that, and a lot of people are praying, the churches are praying. But however, what are we going to be noted for when we leave this world? What is Calvary going to be noted for when we leave? Or, and as an individual, we pass on. What will somebody say about you or about Frank Perry? Uh, well, Isaac was a well digger. We know that for sure. Uh, Abraham was an altar builder. And uh, Jacob was a deceiver. You want to be known uh, as a Jacob, do we? And uh, Moses was a lawgiver. Joshua was a military commander. And so we could go on like Ezra and Nehemiah, who was a revivalist and builder. Jezebel was a wicked, worthless old queen. And uh, Daniel was faithful to God. Rather die, he rather pray and die praying. That's what Daniel was noted for, okay? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego would rather burn in a fiery furnace than give in uh, to the idolatry or submission to a wicked king. That's what those three men stood for. But what would Judas known as? Betrayer. What was Peter really known for? And perhaps I shouldn't emphasize too much this. Yes, he denied the Lord, but it was he i rather remember Peter, the man who was a man who launched out after 50 days or so of denying Christ. God raised him up, a weak man like Peter, and he preached the gospel and 5,000 souls were saved on that one occasion, beloved. i rather remember Peter who stood up for the Lord at Pentecost and said, You murdered the Lord. You murdered him. By wicked hand. What a faithful man. Thomas, doubter. But then Thomas went to India and gave his life as a missionary. So we have it in, uh, as far as we know, in the, in the legendary history of this great man of God. Timothy, he was a student, always studying the word of God. Paul, perhaps the greatest of apostles. William Carey, more modern times. What was he noted for? At a banquet on one occasion, a lady said to a man, that I understand that your Dr. Carey was a shoe salesman. She didn't know, but Dr. Carey was nearby, and he heard that. He said, no, ma'am. Dr. Carey was a shoe repair man. But he was known for opening uh, the lancet of the word of God that is in India, and um, a great man of God, a man who realized that a commission by God was more important than anything else in life. 
The West Indian Oil Company offered him a large sum of money to represent them in India. And Mr. Carey turned it down. And so they replied again and said, is it because the money we offered is too little? I like his answer. No, sir. Your money is sufficient, but your job is too small. I like that, don't you? When are we ever going to learn that the work of God is the largest work that we can be involved in? The most important, the most enduring. When you leave this world, it's what you have passed on. It's going to meet you in glory. You've heard it preached, nothing new. But however many times we live, you know, the status quo, the subnormal, and uh, maybe even the normal. But the Lord wants it to be above that. Recognize. We do not have long in this world, beloved. Our time is short, and we all will admit, admit that. If I, if I ask for a show of hands this morning and I'm not, how many of you believe the Lord is coming soon? Every one of you, perhaps, who know the Lord will put your hand up and say, yes, I believe he's coming soon. Well, why don't we believe what we believe? If he is coming, and we believe that, if we're honest, then we should occupy his work until he comes. Oh, beloved, may the Lord help us to be faithful in this. The altar of thanksgiving. A businessman, his car broke down outside of a farmhouse, and uh, he learned very quickly that there was a Christian farmer and he said, well, how's business? And he said, oh, wonderful. The Lord has given me a good crop. Uh, the animal said, I've been blessed. I've multiplied. God is good. Everything with God, God, God. And so he invited him to have lunch. And while he was having lunch, the father, of course, held, they all held hands and gave thanks for the food. And after that, the businessman, not being a Christian, said, sir, do all of you give thanks around here? Leave it to children. Little boy piped up and he said, no, sir. He said, the pigs don't. He said, they only grunt. You'd be surprised how we need to be more thankful. In our country alone, as we reflect on 38 years, God has been good to us. Now, the next altar that Abram raised, and I may not get too much time to get into it, but, you know, uh, he went down to Egypt. Great men have lapses in their life, and this was one of them. And he got down there, and the king, he knew that his wife was a beautiful woman, and uh, said, tell him that you're my sister. Well, he was, it was sort of a truth, but he didn't tell all of the truth. It was his wife. She was his wife. He was afraid that they might kill him and take Sarai, uh, Sarah, and um, so when God brought a plague upon them, make a long story short, uh, then they realized that, that something was wrong, and he really rebuked Abraham, and Abraham fled that place. Uh, because why he went to Egypt? Because of a famine. There are a lot of people who get frustrated because of the recession we've been through, and we're perhaps still in it. I can understand depression. But I cannot understand resorting to ill-gotten means. I cannot understand stealing because of a recession. I can't understand corruption, whether in higher places or lower places. It doesn't matter. 
You do not have to resort to the low or the mean or the unkind. We do not, I, I mean, I lived, I was born in a depression. I was born in a recession and a depression. I know what it was to go without shoes to school. I know what it is uh, to come home and uh, smell that home-baked bread and couldn't touch it. So I stole a loaf now and then. And Mama said, don't you dare. Well, after later when we grew up, I said, Mama, why didn't you make me a little gingerbread, man? Or, you know, a little bread, something. Because I came from school, I was hungry. Eight in the family, ten with Mama and Papa. I know what it is. When Father was out of work for a long time. Depressions are not new to me. But at the same time, no one in our family who lived with more integrity and, and, and righteous and prayed to God like my mom and daddy, you see? And held in there with ten in the family. Of course, we only believe in samples today. But nevertheless, I hope you all are awake, you know. My, my, okay. But the Lord is good. Don't give up, okay? The idea is don't be thankful. You'll be surprised. You could thank the Lord uh, and, and, and help you in your soul, help you in your life, your, your deportment, you go out with a smile on your face because you're thankful. I, I hate to say this, but I was telling one of the brethren in the office, you know, they, and you know, you might think I'm complaining, but please, please understand me. I'm not complaining. This sister was telling me about a problem. Number one, one problem. I had to break in because I said, sister, she said, but you, Rosemary, you look fine. And how are you today? I wish she hadn't asked because I would only been out of going to the barrage of lying. I said, sister, I got gout. That's why I use tennis. I said, I got diverticulitis. I got diabetes. I got two busted discs. I said, I got a torn rotator cup because I can't sleep at night. I got five more to tell you, but I don't have time. <laughs> and, you know, she opened her mouth. She said, well, I can't complain, Dad. Why give up? Go on. Go on. I, I'm getting what the Bible says I'm going to have when you get 82. So I'm not surprised. I'm here this morning, and I'm happy in Jesus. Listen, I am so... I, I, when I'm telling you, I'm telling you the truth. You may think I'm sounding like I'm boasting. I'm only boasting with the goodness of the Lord, all right? Please understand me. I am not complaining. But don't you complain. You got a little finger ache. A little problem. So what if your bank account is smaller? You might even lose your job. And I pray for you all the time. You know that? You got the mortgage to me. Sometimes it's not a case of the high cost of living. Sometimes it's the cost of high living. You've got to come down. You've got to go with less. You understand where I'm coming from, don't you? Abraham raised an altar unto God. It was an altar of thanksgiving. Try it, beloved. Try it. God will reward you for it. Maybe I told you the story because I tell a lot of stories sometimes and can't remember all of where I preached them or told them. But this man broke down again at a farmhouse, if you will, as truck, pickup truck. And this man, farmer, was so kind to him. To, here again, to make a long story short, uh, he wanted to give him a little money. He said, no, sir. He said, by no means. He said, 
the poor world if you can show a little kindness to somebody in life. And the gentleman was very appreciative and he drove on his way after getting his truck fixed. And it wasn't long until a man drove up with a brand new pickup truck. And um, he said, Are you, is your name, let's say call him George Brown. He said, yeah, I'm George Brown. He said, well, he said, this truck is in your name and this is the address we were told to deliver it here. He said, you made a mistake. He said, I, I didn't order any truck. I need one, but I didn't order any. He said, well, are you George Brown? He said, yes. And he, anyhow, I read the note. He said, it's a poor world. You can't show a little kindness to someone in this life. Signed, Henry Ford. Henry Ford with the man who broke down outside the farmer's house, you see. So you never know with the kindness you show or the little deeds you do, how far it's going to go. And uh, But God has a way of rewarding his children. Uh, I could go on and on telling you stories like this. Be thankful. Have a thankful spirit. And the Lord's going to bless you and bless the person next to you. I heard uh, a preacher the other night, you know. And uh, he, he, uh, he is an earnest preacher. He's a mo- what they call a motivational preacher, you know. And uh, he said, if you want to soar into the heavens like an eagle, don't spend too much time with the turkeys. Now, I love turkeys, okay? I love the turkeys. I love the poor people. I love the complaining poor people. But, you know, his point was this. If you stay around the complaining people a long time, you ain't going to be long till you be complaining yourself. So if you want to soar like the eagles, just limit your time with the turkeys. I wrote that down, boy, when I heard it. I listened to all kinds of preachers. Perhaps some of them you wouldn't even listen to. But you know, I get a little something from them and I write it down. Bless my soul. I, I, it always does. However, beloved, listen. Be thankful, all right? Put on the garment of praise, says the psalmist. Wear it from your shoulder down to your ankles. And you won't look too old, ladies, by wearing that garment. I can tell you that now. Garment of praise, gentlemen. Ah, how we need to praise the Lord more. How we need to be thankful more. And so then, what would I be noted for or known as in life? That unto thy seed I will give this land. And he raised an altar of thanksgiving. It is a good thing to give thanks unto the Lord, says the psalmist. Unfortunately, some are very unthankful, as we mentioned, ungrateful Man during the war, uh, 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 enemies threw a hand grenade down, and a friend jumped on the hand grenade, and it blew his body uh, to bits. But the man who was close by the hand grenade uh, was uh, said, well, you ought to be thankful to that, that man uh, for doing that. He saved your life. This is true, documented. You know what he said? I didn't tell the fool to jump on the hand grenade. You'd be surprised how many ungrateful people we have in this world. And he saved his life, but it didn't matter. So you can live in the world all by yourself. Like the man who said, I had a little tea party one afternoon at three. It was very small, just three and all. I, myself, and me. Myself ate up the sandwiches and I drank up the tea. It was also I who ate the pie and passed the cake to me. Am I like that? 
I live in my own little cocoon, my little world. The poor people don't matter anymore. The underprivileged, those who are suffering, privation. Oh, beloved, look all around us and we see needs and people who are hurting. Stretch out your hand a little and give. Be thankful to God for what you have. Share it with others. And God will bless you for it. Believe me, he will. Remember the Bible story Jesus told where a man owed the king ten million dollars. He, he cried before the king, Oh, king, forgive me, forgive me. And the king had compassion on him. Jesus is telling the story. And he forgave him. Instead of putting him into the prison for life, he forgave him. Ten million dollars is tremendous death. Would you believe he was singing, Count your many blessings, name them one by one. And it will surprise you what the Lord has done. And they saw a man across the street who owed him a hundred dollars. Jesus is telling the story. He ran across the street, grabbed him by his throat, and he said, pay me what you owe. I don't have any money. Please forgive me. Give me a little more time. No time. He cast him into prison. Jesus is telling this story. Ah, but the king found out. And you know the end results, don't you? Took that same man and put him in the pit with his weeping, wailing, and gnashing of teeth because of his, his uh, selfishness. And because how he treated that poor man who only owed him $100. Tell me, what do we owe the Lord this morning? Everything. Is it not true? We are, we are his children bought with a price. Can you pay the price of your salvation? Oh, my friend, that's one of the joys and one of the wonders and miracles of his saving grace is that God has saved us. And uh, and maybe you're here this morning, you're not a Christian. We want you to know it's free, but it was paid by Jesus Christ. And he suffered there on the cross for you and for me. You can know what it means to go righteously free because he bore your sin and our sin and his body that day. And he calls you unto himself. The invitation is to the whosoever will may come. May God, may God cause you to realize that his grace is, is for you. And his grace is adequate. His grace is sufficient. And I know you'll bow the knee in thankfulness when you find him as your savior. Oh, I could go on, but I'm, I'm going to run behind. So I must, I must hurry on. I must hurry on. I'm going to skip that part now of the sermon because I must get on to the next altar. And the next one, of course, is the altar of testimony where he pitched his tent having Bethel on the west and Hai on the east. The suggesting is he is turning his back on the rubble of the world because that's what Hai means. Rubble, refuse, stone, nothing of any importance. And so Abraham turned his back on this. What a testimony. And he raises an altar unto God. And he called upon the name of the Lord. What a difference from the idols of Ur, of the Chaldees, where he had come from. And he turns his back. Lot now, just the opposite. Because they were fighting and quarreling. The herdmen were fighting Abraham's herdmen. 
And Abraham said, look, I understand there's strife between us. This ought not be because we are brethren. We're one. We're family. You go to the west or take the east if you like, whichever one you want. And Lot looked at the well-watered plains of Jordan. He said, uncle, I'll go towards Sodom. I'll go towards Jordan. And Abraham, so so be it. Now, that's the kind of uncle to have. <laughs> Give you the first choice. And so that, that shows you how God blessed Abraham. Why should Abraham try to get any more? Because God had already given him. He already said what he would have. He even said, your very seed will be blessed like the sands of the sea and like the stars of the heaven. And Abraham is 75 years of age when he is told this. How the world could Abraham ever have children like this? And you know, the, the amazing thing about Abraham, when he would say, people would say, what is your name, sir? He said, father of many. How many children you got? Put his head down, he said, none. It's, it's t- tough to have a name like that. No children. And yet it was named father of many. Later on, God called him Abraham, which means father of nations. You see the difference? Can you imagine the real excitement when little Isaac was born? But getting back to poor Lot. Lot was more concerned about grass for his cattle. Abraham was more concerned for grace for his children. Beware, fathers and mothers, that we make the right choices in life and understand uh, the values and the priorities that are essential for our children, for our families. We were singing this morning about the footprint that we want them to follow. Very, very vital song. Very important. To be the testimony for the glory of God. Demas has forsaken me, having loved this world. Didn't say wicked world. Didn't say he was immoral. Just turned it back on. Maybe he went into the business world and just forgot a God. We're not told no more than that, but Paul's heart was broken. Then there was a time when he, Paul said, no man stood with me. If we lose our testimony, we lose everything. So because of the famine, poor Abraham went to Egypt. Well, we're not going to condemn this great man of God. Just lessons for us to learn. You could go to the rubble of the world, because that's all the world has to offer. Or to the rich rubies that we find in God. The rich gems, the gems of mercy, the gems of of promise, the gems of truth, the gems of power, the gems of, of grace, the gem of love. All of these things that are so vital and so precious, so precious. Oh, may God help us to see that those are the things that really matter in life. And also the promises that lie just before us. And it won't be long before we'll see him face to face and we're going to have our renewed or changed bodies and a body that will be likened unto his glorious body. For John says, when we shall see him, we shall be uh, like him, for we shall see him as he is. Beloved, listen, it's going to get better. It's just around the bend. It isn't long now. It isn't long. Looking at some of you, you could go with a little change. And the man standing in the pulpit needs it even more. <laughs> Believe me, I'm looking forward to it. 
I wouldn't like to know I'm going to heaven in this body, would you? Of course not. You're going to be changed. There'll be no more heart trouble, Pastor Lee. There'll be no more open heart surgery. There'll be no more separations because of different things, other illnesses. There'll be no more alienation of friends or companions or families. You'd be surprised, even families that are breaking up today. You'd be surprised how many have turned to the the sordid things of this world, and we lament, we cry, we burden, we pray that God will bring them back to himself. Some, some are not necessarily in the world of sin, but they're just occupied with things that have no spiritual value. There's no import as far as eternity is concerned, so whatever we do, always do it with eternity values in view, because that's what we're living for. That's the thing that counts. You're not going to be outdone or you're not going to be shortchanged if you honor God. You mean God can't keep his word when he says, Him that honoreth me, him will I also honor? You mean God can't honor his word? What kind of a God would he be? Beloved, determine today, if you haven't already, honor him. Honor him with everything, your substance. Honor him with your life, with yourself. And you'll never be sorry. You can never outdo God. Don't be like the man. Thank God for conscience. You know, he promised the church that he was going to kill a calf. Cow had a calf. And he said, don't worry, I'm going to kill that calf. And the proceeds, the money I'm going to bring to the church. And so he now, he didn't. He, he just didn't do it. One night when he was coming, he was a little late for church. And he was just on the rise of the little hill, just before the church. And he heard them singing. And they were singing, the half has not been told. And he thought they were singing, the calf has not been sold. (laughs) Conscience, you see. And he ran into the church and said, all right, all right, I'm going to kill it tomorrow. (laughs) God will get you one way, even if through your conscience. And so the calf was sold. Oh, beloved. Don't be the complaining family like the father was saying when he was driving the car from church. He said, what a poor sermon today. In fact, the singing was terrible. And everything he criticized. The little boy said, Daddy, he said, I thought it was a good show for 10 cents. <laughs> he saw his daddy put 10 cents literally in the collection plate. You can't fool children. They know By their measuring stick, whether you're sincere or not, whether you're honest or the father. You can't get on the telephone and boast about that deal you pulled and how you made $50,000. It was only worth twenty-five, but I got an extra $25,000. Your children are listening. Oh, how we need to watch it. Testimony speaks louder than anything in the world. Let me um, read you something if I could find it. Yeah, here it is. Are you running on empty? Keep them busy with non-essentials, said the devil at a meeting to his cohort. All right, to the demons. Get them to overspend and go into debt. By the way, Dr. David Jeremiah gave this not too long ago. Make them work long hours to maintain empty lifestyles. 
discouraged them from spending family time who went home to disintegrate. There's no refuge from their work. Overstimulate their minds with television and computer so that they can't hear when God is speaking. Fill their coffee tables and nightstands with newspapers and magazines so they will have no time to read the Bible. Flood their mailboxes with sweepstakes, promotions, and get-rich-quick schemes. Keep them chasing after material things. I might add, lotteries. People want to get rich quick through the lotteries. I've never seen lotteries legalized or illegal yet that would benefit a country. Never. Because maybe you've never seen little children go without food because of gambling. But I have. However, it's an addiction, by the way, just like alcohol. A lot of people don't understand it, but gambling is an addiction, just like you on booze. Okay? Put glamorous models on television and magazine covers to keep them focused on outward appearances. Boy, I'll get into trouble sometimes. I went to home. They, and I like to, I like to talk. Talk about spiritual things or things in general. I want to know about their welfare. Every home I go into, television. Television. I even went to home, pray for the sick. And when I got there, I said, you mind turning the TV off so I could pray for you? They turned it down. They, they were watching the young and the wretched. <laughs> it wouldn't turn that thing off. People are hooked. I know we laugh at it, but isn't it true? Oh my. Make sure the couples are too exhausted for physical intimacy. The way will be tempted to look elsewhere. Emphasize Santa and the Easter Bunny. John Hagee says, He's tempted to put Christmas flowers. What do they call them? Crow salads? Come on, help me out. Pine salads. And Easter lilies, so they won't know the difference when they come to church to think it's Christmas or they think it's Easter. (laughs) Boy, that's good, eh? That's good. Involve them in good causes so they won't have time for eternal ones. That's what I was emphasizing a little while ago. Make them self-sufficient. Keep them busy working in their strength. They never know the joy of God's power working through them. Oh, my. If you want to maintain a healthy testimony, may the Lord help us to ward off those things that Dr. Jeremiah mentioned. All right? And so he pitched his his tent in Hebron, place of, of fellowship, which brings us to the third altar, the fellowship with God. And here's a man who looked for a city which has foundation, whose builder and maker is God. You want to turn to Hebrews for that. And God had told Abraham, lift up now thine eyes, north, south, east, and west. All will I give thee. What a, what a wonderful, wonderful promise that is. And Abraham believed God that God was going to do that. What a time it was for him, believe me. And so, we need to be conversant with the Lord. And uh, to understand what it means to have fellowship with God. And this is the third altar he raised, by the way. And, uh, and, and it's just amazing. You have to read it yourself, okay? Read it so that you'll be blessed. He's a man who walked with God. True, he had a lapse here and there. But nevertheless, he got back on course and he worshipped God. He was a worshipping man. He was a working man. And he knew what it was to wait on God. And God blessed him. 
And when the Lord told him through the angels that you're going to have a son, <laughs> he laughed. But his laugh wasn't of unbelief. But Sarai heard it in her tent, and she laughed. But her laugh was different. And God knows the difference. He knows uh, whether we're sincere or not. He knew Abraham was sincere, but he knew that, that Sarai uh, was just the opposite. God knew this, you see. And uh, Abraham was a man that was conversing with the Lord, and he was blessed. And I, I like I like the portion in 1 Samuel 25, 15. I preach the gospel from it sometimes. The wicked Nabal, when David sent down for a little bit of meat, and a little bit of sustenance for his soldiers, for his men, Nabal said, why should I give anything to David, a man fleeing from Saul? Um, we have no recourse or we have no fellowship one with the other. I'm not responsible for David. And, of course, his wife was very upset with this. And um, But I like what, what uh, the men of Nabal said to Nabal and to Nabal's wife. He said, but the men were good to us and we were not hurt. Neither missed we anything as long as we were conversing with them. That word conversing means fellowshipping. We were fellowshipping with David's men, with his soldiers. And when we were in the field, they protected us. Uh, we had wonderful fellowship with them. They didn't take one lamb from us. They were good to us. And Nabal, Nabal just dis- disregarded the whole thing. And you know the story well how God smote Nabal. Conversing. That's fellowship. I want to ask you in a simple way this morning. Are we really conversant with the Lord? Are we enjoying fellowship with him? You know, one of the best things uh, in life is when you spend a little time with God. I know you've heard preachers one after the other, and uh, it bears repeating. There isn't anything in the world. There are no substitutes for fellowship with God, no matter what you try. And, um, you know, your fellowship with family is wonderful. Your fellowship with your, your spouse is great, and I hope you do. Uh, I, I always tell folk, you know, that, that my wife died, as, as you all know, when she was 75. November coming makes seven years. And we enjoyed wonderful fellowship together like that, talking nice uh, in the, during the evenings. Your children are nice, you know, mine's are good. I got some good children, but they can't take the place of my wife. Uh, and I don't mean the intimacy. I, I mean just talking nice. You could, you could share things with your, your spouse, you know. And, well, she's not there now, and there's a vacuum in the home. So I know what it is. I know what it is, this vacuum. And so fellowship in the past, my memory, I go back and I think of all those wonderful times we had talking together, you know, talk. And I, I even had the privilege when she was dying. The last time I was with you, I probably told you that. Uh, she, she was fading fast. We asked the Lord, Lord, we know you could raise her up, but if you're not, don't let her suffer. Time she had an operation, time she passed on. Never had one tinge of pain. Just weakness, general weakness, until the Lord took her home. Seven o'clock that morning. You know, I'm going to tell you something. But before that, well, my daughter would take one night, and I'd take one night. And uh, I'd hold her hand all night. Torn rotate a cup of notes on me. <laughs> that morning, when I let her hand go, I couldn't move my arm. I'm going to tell you the truth. A little pain, but I said, but it was worth it. It was worth it. I, I could tell you something. 
I used to tell, I had time to tell I was sorry for how I was grouchy sometimes. You know. Yeah, that's true. I had time to say, you know, honey, I used to flush you out about the cabinet. You always leave the drawers out uh, open. You never close the drawer. I, I used to tell you, why can't you close the drawer? My mom, I told you, I said, I used to come there and I got a little, I got a little, uh, um, brassy then. I come behind and I slammed the door. Bow! She said, I know, smarty. And but that didn't work. That wasn't Christian. So after a while, I came behind and closed them very gently so she wouldn't even hear. I got a little more spiritual, you see. <laughs> Anyhow, but you know something? If my wife was back now, not that she'd want to be here, but if she was back, I'd let her open every drawer in the house. <laughs> Are you reading me? You take advantage of your children, fellowship with them, your husband, your wife. Learn what it means to fellowship. It's important with your family. And you fellowship with God. You're going to fellowship with your family and with your children. Spend time with your children. But if not, your children are going to be spending time with somebody else. Husband and wives are breaking up because husband is not spending time with his spouse or vice versa. You know the breakup we have in homes, wherever we turn, oh, beloved, fellowship. There is nothing in the world grander than that. Be conversing with the Lord mainly, okay? Be in touch with him. And you know when you're with God, you could talk about all the things, you know, personal things, intimate things. You hold no things back. But you know why? Because he knows it anyhow. You just share it with him. And you talk to him about all your problems. Talk to him about your children. You wish this one would be a little stronger. And this one wouldn't uh, wouldn't be tempted so easily and so on. You just go on and on in your prayers. Beloved, be conversant with the Lord. The power of God will be upon us and upon our churches. Believe me, it would be. Oh, so much we could say about that. The idea of being conversant, it really is, is habitual. It's constantly. It, it's not just a, a, a one-time thing a week. It's every day we get with him and, and we just enjoy his, his presence as we never have in our life. There's nothing, nothing in the world comparable to it. Nothing, nothing whatsoever. You don't know Mr. Grant from England many, many years ago. Nice, godly man, white beard. And when he stood at the door, and this was a man of prayer, by the way, a man that that lived a godly life. People recognized it. But a little girl met him at the door, and she ran inside. She didn't even open the door. She said, Mommy, Mommy, Jesus is at the door. Man, what a compliment. And he he was saintly, not because he had a white beard then, but, beloved, because he lived that life. He lived close to the Lord. And so... That's what a, a conversant life of fellowship means. Lastly, uh, it was an altar of sacrifice. The Lord said to him, a strange thing, isn't it? Take now thy son, thine only son Isaac, whom thou lovest. Now, the Lord put that in, whom thou lovest. Of course, it's the only son, rightful son, heir uh, to all of Abraham, what, what he possessed. And the son of, Isaac is a son of promise. And uh, so you know the story well. 
And then he, he, he went on the journey now and took the wood and all the, the essentials for the fire. And um, I see little Isaac going along with him, perhaps in late teens, middle teens. We're not sure. But there he was going now with his daddy. When he got to a certain place, he left the animals with his servant. And he said this, you wait here. I like this. The lad and I will go yonder and what? Worship. The lad and I had my children worshiping with me on the Lord's day. The lad and I. Remember Judas down in Egypt when Joseph, because of a little trick he played on his brothers to teach him a lesson, he put the cup and the money in little Benjamin's bag. And so they held Benjamin back. And, uh, but he did it for a reason. And Judas pled with Joseph. And you know what he said? How can I go up to my father and the lad be not with me? He'll die. Then they made an admission. One was not, meaning Joseph. See, those boys knew what they had done to Joseph, but they didn't realize Joseph was the second in command in Egypt. Anyhow, tough love, we call it. And they had to go home without Benjamin. You know the story, old Jacob. When he, when they finally, when he revealed himself unto those boys, he said, I that speak unto thee am he. Boy, what a time it must have been. They were frightened, of course. Oh, we're going to get our just desserts now. But Joseph, instead of judgment, it was grace. And so too, the lad went up with Abraham, went out to worship. They went out to worship together. Just a picture of our families going out and worshiping God together. Very important. And he says, and when we have worshipped, I like this, we will come back. Wait a minute, you're going to offer your son, you're going to cut his throat in a little while, offer him as, a, as an offering to God, and you're talking about you and Isaac going to come back? Abraham believed God, you see, that God would raise him from the dead. Boy, what, what power, what strength, what faith in a man of God like Abraham. And so, did they come back? They sure did. But the wonderful type, beloved, the wonderful type is, is that the Lord Jesus is God's beloved Son, whom God loved. And God offered him up there on the cross as a sacrifice for you and for me. God loved him. When he cried, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? And when the darkness overshadowed his frame on Calvary, when the penetrating, I should say, the penetrating pain in his body because of the puncture wounds in his body from the nails and from the thorn crown they placed upon his sacred brow, when there he hung because your sin and my sin was placed upon him, God's own beloved son, the son whom he loves, but he spared not his own son, but gave him up to us all. Shall he not freely give us all things? Romans chapter 8. God never spared his son. We had Abraham's son. I'm going to ask you to bow your head with me at this time.
Thank you for your patience and for being with me. You've been a tremendous congregation. And I wonder at this moment, I'm not going to ask you to walk the aisle, but just so I can remember you in a word of prayer to someone here this morning, you're not a Christian. You've been contemplating it for some time, but as yet you've never really made a commitment to Christ. It's only a prayer way. It's only a matter of you bowing your head and saying, Lord, I, I know I'm a sinner, and I know you died for me here and now. I confess my sin, and I receive you as my Savior. I take you as my Savior and my Lord. And wait, wait a, a couple of seconds, because you can't rush this great moment in one's life. I'll give you just a few seconds to think about it. You can say no, you can go out of the auditorium, you could turn your back on him, you could have absolutely no interest in spiritual things whatsoever, but you know there's coming a day of, of severe judgment. But you don't want to be a Christian because of even judgment that's coming. You want to be saved because you need a, a companion in life, you need the Lord in your life, you need God in your life who loves you and who cares for you. And I remember you in a word of prayer, just quietly slip your hand up in the auditorium, then take it down. Yes. Are there any others? Yes. I'm not going to single you out. I'm not going to ask you to come forward. Just remember you in prayer. What about a Christian may be? You want to be closer to the Lord this morning. You, you know that you want to be more conversant, a deeper fellowship. You want to hang loose from the things of this life and you want to serve him. Yes. God bless you, God bless you. So all over the auditorium, people want to be closer. And God will honor you for it. And I, I, I want to remember you in a word of prayer. Shall we pray? Father, truly as we bow in your presence, we thank you for the Lord Jesus. And we thank you for your word. We thank you for the altars of, of Abraham, how he established them, them for you and for your glory. A man who believed you, Lord. And you counted unto him for righteousness. And even one occasion you said, Shall I hide from Abraham that thing with what I'm going to do? And you didn't. You told him about Sodom and Gomorrah, how you were going to destroy it. And Abraham pled with you in prayer. But, oh God, help us to live a life that be uh, conversant with you. One in fellowship with you. Remember those who put their hands up for a closer walk. Be with them, Lord. Sustain and bless. And for those who want to be saved, Lord, oh God, show them through the word of God that you love them. It's only a prayer way. Call upon the name of the Lord and thou shalt be saved. That's the promise of your word and we thank you for it. In Jesus' precious name, amen.